crunching a him-hop, talking about a recent survey about American theological views, and what did we do in the first segment? You're listening to Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, if you guys put the mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre, mediocre and hilarious. Welcome to Table Talk Radio, where the only show prep we do is the brace for impact. Pastor Wolfmiller, Merry Christmas. Hey, thank you. Merry Christmas to you, too. Uh, so, we have a show in store for you. Notice I did attached any you know great show or one one fantastic show it's we have a show in store for you today and uh, we'll be looking at some of the emails sent to questions at tabletalkradio.org we're listening to some more uh hymn hop i think is what is on the deck and then <laughs> that's crazy yeah, how to be a how to, how to be a uh, just as mediocre as you would expect i you know someone on the on the youtube you remember how i'm wildly famous on youtube now or you oh, might have forgot is, is that a thing Hmm. Someone on the YouTube said, hey, thanks for this mediocre video, and a bunch of people got all over their case. Like, hey, the video was pretty good. <laughs> that, that went just slightly above mediocre, so I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you have fans. That it's, But it, it's, the, it's the great Table Talk Radio inside joke. In fact, I think I've got an email here. Well, we'll read it in a minute that says, keep up, every, keep up the mediocrity. Where is that? Yes. So, oh. Wait, that's a joke? Sorry. All all this time, I thought we were setting the bar. All right. Oh man, all talk right. about mediocrity. Wait for my buzzword. You want to know what it is? Yeah, just give it to me now. Amos. Amos. Amos is the name of a prophet. You know what? I have not done as a buzzword. By the way, I'm just looking at my note here. It says, "Don't forget to do this as a buzzword." Goody Warkus. <laughs> oh yeah. Remember that? The um, Goody Warkus. Fortunately, I do. From the, what was that, the Irish Scots something or other? Yeah. I don't know. The good works. Goody Warkus. Anyway, or I forgot till now. So I'm going to stick with Amos, who was the prophet. Amos was from Tekoa. He was a sheep breeder and fig farmer from the town south of Jerusalem, who was called by God to be prophet up in Bethel, where Jeroboam II was carrying on the idolatry of his namesake, Jeroboam I, this idolatry in Israel. Amos preached around 750 or so, 760 making him preaching about 40 years before the northern kingdom was destroyed by the Assyrians, and he lambasts the people for their idolatry and their lavish living. They, so one of the, the, he's, And Amos is hilarious. So one of the time, he's talking about the, the women up in, in Israel, and he calls them the cows of Bashan, and they sit around and they say to their husbands, bring us another bucket of wine. <laughs> hmm. oh, that's great. Anyway. 
All right, Aimless. my my theological buzzword for you. We have to do a little uh, let's do a little work on this definition because I got it from some random um, Calvinist blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just it's like th- finding a Calvinist blog is like throwing a dart at a wall. It's just gonna anyway. Um, eternal security. It's like is... throwing a dart at the ground. <laughs> How do I get out of this Calvinist blog stuff? Eternal security, this is the definition, but this is where I'll have to do a little work. It says, eternal security is the doctrine that salvation cannot be lost because it is kept secure by Christ. Since it is not gained by anything we do, it cannot be lost by anything we do. Eternal security does not mean that we can sin all we want, Romans 6, because we have been freed from sin and we are set apart for holy use, First Thessalonians 4. And this is the two verses it gives. John 10, 27, 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. And then there's First John 2, 19 that says, They went out from us, they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that they might be shown that they are not of us, they went to these poor. They only went to the store, and then here, John is saying, "Hey, they weren't with us. They would, if they would have, they were with us. They would have gone to the store." Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I I'm interested in this sentence that I I wanted I want to analyze this with the scriptures, which says, "Since it that it being uh, salvation is not gained by anything that we do, therefore it cannot be lost by anything that we do." Now, is that something that is? Um, kept by the scriptures. Now, we would agree with the first half of that. Salvation is not gained by anything that we do. But then does it follow then that because that is true, it must also be true that it cannot be lost by anything that we do? And this is the whole Calvinist thing. And, and, and typically when I'm, when I'm talking about the differences between Lutheran theology and Calvinist theology, I don't start with double predestination um, because I think where, where Calvinists uh, where Calvin got off from the get-go was already with his uh, rational thinking about how God saves people. And this was the big sticker for John Calvin, and that was if th- that God is so powerful, so awesome, that if someone isn't saved, it wasn't because of uh, God. The problem, the problem isn't with God. In other words, if he wants you saved— you're going to be saved. You can't outrun such an awesome, powerful God. And so the the doctrine of double predestination flows from that to say, okay, then God wants you saved, you're saved. If he doesn't want you saved, you're not saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the big problem we have with this is uh, that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so what uh, what, what Calvin would overlook then is that God is resistible. And, and that's an offense to, to Calvin because... Uh, such a, a powerful God, such a sovereign God, uh, cannot be resisted. He's too powerful for that. Um, but he has it, that, that that in in our sin, we can resist God, so that Jesus looks at Jerusalem and says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not have it, or you would not mm-hmm. allow it. And so, mm-hmm. so the Lord, certainly, in his almighty power, could have gathered his chicks, but he... Um, he allowed himself to be resisted. So we don't necessarily agree with this um, idea of eternal security from the perspective that we can't, uh, in our sin, rebel against God once we're saved. But it is true that no uh, that no demon, no devil, uh, no other person can somehow come along and rob us of our salvation. That's true. 
I like I like what you said there. Well, thank you. All right, so with uh, just I did a, I did a vi- YouTube video by the way called "Can You Lose Your Salvation?" Yeah, did, did you say any of the stuff that I just said? Uh, no. If you if you you know want to use any of the audio that I just said on your videos, I'm, I'm fine go with put that. Put it back in there. Yeah, in fact, just dub what I said over over your video. You could lip sync it. That'd be fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that actually be pretty funny. I will. I, I that you know like the children's lip syncing videos, that kind of thing. <laughs> I gotta do that. All right. Uh, there's a, bi- a bunch of Bible passages up there. So just if you type in "Can you lose your salvation, Wolf Mueller?" you can see all this stuff here. Because the whereas we do have these pr- beautiful promises that you, that the, the um, definition gave, we also have warnings, and both have to um, both have to stand. So I mean, look, look here's so First Timothy one. This charge I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that you may wage w- the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus mm. and Alexander, whom I handed over to Satan, that they may not learn to blaspheme. Or, I think the clearest text is uh, the, in the parable of the sower, where Jesus says, the, the seed that falls on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. Listen to this. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. Mm. I mean, how you, you cannot get clearer than that, right? And so, so uh, I mean, I know that there in the history of Calvinists have been some Calvinists who make this idea of of uh, of like what a false faith or faith or something like this, so that or temporary faith—that's the word—that they have a temporary faith. So this is to say that they have the appearance of having faith, but because they weren't truly elected. Uh, then it wasn't actually real or true faith. Um, of course, and then I, I just think this is the big problem with um, this whole setup with with uh, eternal security, with Calvinism in general, is if that is true, if there are people who have temporary faith, if that is a thing, what makes you think that you don't have temporary faith? Who's to say that you're not really elect and you just have the appearance of having faith, but a year from now you will... Uh, say that, well, I guess I'm not elect. Christ didn't actually die for me. Mm-hmm. Here, here's another thing. The Bible talks about being restored to the faith. <laughs> so how how is that possible, to be restored to the faith that you once had if the faith that you didn't have is gone? You know. Right. So I, I, I think then there's a, there's a division between faith and election, and this is, this is the problem, right? Mm. Hmm. That's right. So that, that, that faith and, and election are two separate things. And, and uh, well, I, I can't—I'm not well-read enough in all of the hundreds and hundreds of Calvinist confessions of faith to know exactly that's what God <laughs> says. But, but as, we're, as we're fleshing this out, that is a problem that's coming to the surface. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so that was a successful— First segment of Table Talk what? Radio. How how does it? That's crazy. <laughs> I it's wonder, absolutely crazy that it goes this fast. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's working though. My my idea of of recording it in super fast speed and then slowing it down to still make time. This way, I don't have to sit here that long. Did you know that's what I've been doing? No, that's fantastic. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, so we well, can, it's doing great to record because I always say it takes us about twenty minutes to re- record an hour show. Yeah, yeah. So we should so try to do that. That's why we've been speaking like chipmunks this whole time. All right, well, we could talk faster <laughs> next. I want to try that next segment. Just talk faster. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. When we get back from this break, we're going to be looking at some of your emails, questions at tabletalkradio.org. So hurry up and get your email in because after this break, we'll be reading it. Stay tuned. 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Earplugs not included. You're on Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Well, one of the things we like to do here on the show is read emails from our listener, and uh, now is the opportunity to do that. You know, you know, I was thinking about Pastor Wilton the other day. What? That we used to have people like astrophysicists write the show, and it made us sound like we were like we were very yes intellectual show. And I wish just that I just wish that would happen more often. Well, wish no more. <laughs> We got an email from Paul, the astrophysicist, but he, I think he's kind of ashamed from, of, of being an astrophysicist. He wants to be known as rather the founder or the one of the tertiary founders, one of the tetrarchs of the Boston Beer Party Cult of Pure Doctrine. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, whatever happened to the Cult of Pure Doctrine? It's still going on there, out there, mediocrely. <laughs> I got an email from someone. They said... Um, uh, they wanted to start a new chapter. Oh, where was that email? I should pull that up. They want to start a new cult of pure doctrine chapter. Is that a? Uh, could you could you make like a chapter within a chapter? I uh, yeah. Because <laughs> may, maybe there's some divisions amongst within the cult of pure doctrine that they want to distinguish themselves from the other. <laughs> well, it, it just breaks down into factions. It's where everyone is their own. Cult of Pure Doctrine chat. It's like the Calvinist Confessions. I, can't, I love how we're ragging on the Calvinists so much, getting ready to read the Calvinist official Calvinist blogger email. I know. Anyway, Paul, the Tetrarch, writes, Greetings from Seattle. My parents and I were watching the mediocre Cheez-It Bowl. Can you believe there's a Cheez-It Bowl? Hmm. You know what I like? Cheez-It commercials. <laughs> we give our cheese time to mature. And they're making oh, all these yeah, dead, yeah, yeah. the cheese are making all these dead jokes and making fun of the doctor. And that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> mature cheese is what we all need because I want to eat a cracker with the cheese, with the fake chemical cheese baked into it. And I want that to be mature. Right, right. It dawned on us, Paul continues, that Table Talk Radio should sponsor a mediocre college football game of its own. Mm hmm. Reverend Gagline could do play play by play while Reverend Wolfmuller could do the color commentary. It would be amazing. <laughs> you could even have commercial slots for all the various projects Reverend Wolfmuller is working on, like trip to Spain or as American Christianity failed or cross defense. You know, I was in my favorite YouTube. Oh wait, my favorite Facebook group, which is called Christian YouTube Creators, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they said, "Hey, what podcast do you have?" And I thought, "Oh, this is a trick." Uh. <laughs> and you I said. didn't want to, so I didn't. I didn't want to even admit it. Anyway, uh, Feast of Saint Stephen's blessings. Paul, astrophysicist, Boston Beer Party, Cult of Beer Doctrine. So that so. would be like uh, you know, a couple teams from college make it to the Table Talk Radio Bowl. <laughs> the Table Talk Radio. That's just so fantastic. Yeah, I think people. I think a, a different image comes to mind when they think of Table Talk Radio Bowl. What? What do you think it would be? Well, it'd be a different bowl. It'd be like the bathroom bowl. We <laughs> <laughs> did a table talk radio bowl. You and I could just arm wrestle. <laughs> How do you think that would be? You and I doing a 
doing the play-by-play for a football game. Um, so I've actually done a little bit of play-by-play because of our, our radio station um, covers high school games, and we have a, a fantastic local uh, volunteer that does the games. Every once in a while I step in and help him out or, or if I need to fill in for him, and I am terrible at it. So uh, thinking about you doing it. <laughs> Even more horrible? I'd be like John Madden. Look at the ankles on that guy. He's got tankles. It's a turducken. A duck and a chicken stuffed in a turkey, deep fried. I mean, that's, that's well, a kind of color let me, commentary. Let me, let me put it this way. It would be entertaining to listen to. I don't know that anyone would know what is going on during the course of the game. But is there a game happening there? What are those guys talking about? You know what I think we should do? We should figure out how to do a – remember that old show, Mystery Science Theater 3000? Oh, where yeah. it had like the robot, and they had to watch these bad movies, and they had yeah, big yeah. comments over. We got to figure out how to do a mystery sermon theater three thousand, and like listen to a bad sermon. Haven't, haven't you ever heard Chris Roseborough's show? Well, yeah, but we got to figure this out. How to, you know, our little shadows. You can be the robot guy. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. This is from me. How come it's from me? I sent an email to our own show. It says, look at this article, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, huh. from Aurora, Australia. Look at this article. LifeWay Research says, Americans love God and the Bible, but are fuzzy on the details. An article from September of 2016, never mind. American theological views, uh, and it, so it has some of these uh, stats here. So let's just take a... Um, uh, I want to give you a quiz. Are you looking at the article yet? Oh, yeah, but I can stop. Okay. So so here here's the first question. Is this an American theological view question? Here's a place where all people will ultimately be... Oh, sorry. Heaven is a place where all people will be ultimately reunited with their loved ones. Agree, disagree, not sure. How many people do you think agree with that statement? 57. Wow. Really? That's your guess? Are you looking? It's 60. Nice. Uh, twenty six disagree, fourteen don't know. So, so this is the thing that um, th- this is the kind of common view. I mean, it's interesting how everyone doesn't hesitate to to bash religion, but when someone dies, no matter what they believe, they s- will talk about how they're happy now playing golf in heaven. You're and right. It's like right, he- right. heaven. It, heaven is an untouched um, doctrine, but everything else, like the. Anything that the church says is silly and dumb. Um, and so the perception of heaven is that, well, there is some kind of a uh, bliss after one dies, and it has nothing to do with what one believes. This is going to get to a thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately, just what you said there. But here's the hell question. What percentage of people believe this, agree with the statement? Hell's an eternal place of judgment where God sends all people who do not personally trust in Jesus Christ. What percentage of people do you think agree with that? 38. What? 40. How do you know these numbers? Okay, here's another one. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior received God's free gift of salvation. How about that one? Ooh, this is going to get you. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior received God's free gift of eternal salvation. What percentage of people, Americans, do you think believe that? Well, see, this is an interesting one because not only would you have... Uh, like atheists and agnostics uh, disagreeing with it, but you might potentially have the more theologically discerned if they're really picking apart the question. But I'm going to say, am I saying agree or disagree? 
Agree. I would say um, 62. Whoa. 54. Hmm. 54%, which is higher than I thought. All right, here's, and here's another one, Just and then I'll read some of the article. By the good deeds I do, I partly contribute to earning my place in heaven. Um, see, I, uh, I bet this is a lot higher than we would think. Uh, I'm going to say this is 51. Dang, 52. How did you get so close? That's incredible. I don't know how you have your finger on the pulse of American theology. So I'll tell you, just just uh, ask me. I'll, I'll tell you anything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, I, I think um, uh, so. I'll tell you why I guess so highly on this one. I remember this was a long time ago, maybe even close to ten years ago. Um, I was listening to our friend Chris Rosebrah, Bruh. and he was talking about a survey that was done within a particular evangelical church. It was a, one of mega, one of the mega churches. I think this one was out in Indiana, and they asked their own people, um, like it was almost exactly the same question: agree or disagree. And uh, here, this is a even. We're not just asking people on the streets. We're asking people who are coming to our church. Do you agree or disagree that um, that you know we are saved by grace alone and no work of ourselves? And fifty-one um, percent of the people who took that survey disagreed that it, that it's of no work of our own. <sighs> and um, the the leadership of this of this mega church said. We're not doing our job. <laughs> so, I mean, they, but, but I mean, the, the point here is, is that if you want your people to believe right doctrine, you're going to have to teach right doctrine. And so when your focus about church from the perspective of church leadership, your, your focus on church is getting people in or uh, getting the numbers or making people feel comfortable. That comes at the cost of having uh, teaching about doctrine. And the reality is, is that doctrine divides. <laughs> we always say that doctrine unites, um, but it's only uniting. It only unites those who believe it. Uh, right. those, those who disagree with the doctrine that you're teaching will leave your church. So it's either you're going to make people feel comfortable and nice, or you'll teach doctrine, which will make people leave. I'm just wondering how the survey would, if we did it here at Hope, how it would go. Kind of nervous about that. I'm going to read some of this article, though. It's pretty good. Nashville, Tennessee is the dateline. Uh, Americans uh, don't know much about theology. Most say God wrote the Bible. They're not sure anything in it is true. Six and ten say everyone eventually goes to heaven, but half say only those who believe in Jesus will be saved. And while seven and ten say that there's only one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, two-thirds say that God accepts worship of all faiths. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here he says, some are confused about the details. For example, the author of the study, Scott McConnell, says, about two-thirds of Americans believe Jesus is God, while half say that Jesus is a being created by God. <laughs> <laughs> Con quote, contradictory and incompatible beliefs are okay for most people, McConnell says. The online survey on theology was sponsored by Orlando-based Legionnaire Ministries. That's the old R.C. Sproul thing. Mm. Researchers asked 47 questions on topic from prayer and the Bible to heaven and hell, etc. Among the findings, Americans think God likes all religions. Two-thirds of Americans, 64%, say God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 24% disagree. 12 aren't sure. 
All right. Well, we're going to have to take a look at that because I'm particularly interested in the notion that uh, that God accepts the worship of all religions. So we're going to talk more about this um, research, Lifeway research results when we get back from this break. You are listening to Table Talk Radio. And if you want to give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. Stay tuned. mediocrity comes to feel better about itself this is table talk radio the sunday drive home grappling with the text on the theo vlog these are some of the playlists on the youtube channel visit youtube slash wolfmuller one check it out there it ain't funny it ain't funny. <laughs> All right. Well, before the break, we were looking at this uh, survey from Ligonier Ministries, and um, this one that you read was about the uh, the uh, inclusivity of God. I believe whether God accepts the worship of. Uh, oh, yeah, that's the thing. Muslims and Jews. And there, two-thirds stuff. of Americans, 64%, say God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 24% disagree. 12% aren't sure. Sounds like a lot more than 12% are not really sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, have, uh, I have a theory on this. So this is a survey of Americans. And one of the things that um, has, has become sort of the... Uh, lipness. Well, I don't want to say that. No, it's not a lipness test, but 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 one of the hallmarks of of conservative Christians is to defend the right to have religious aspects in the public square, and so we're fighting for uh, the Ten Commandments to be in the courtroom. We're fighting for this statue to be on City Hall or whatever. You know, all of these things. And um, and I'm not necessarily opposed to those fights. Um, that's fine. I, I I don't think from a constitutional perspective. That uh, that a any kind of a you know separation between church and state, which isn't in the Constitution, I don't think that requires us to be void of all religious uh, symbolism whatsoever. Um, but I I think in our fight we have tried to def- to defend the the in God we trust from the money that we are trying to defend the civil God, and that is a God that must. Um, be okay with all kinds of religions. And so we've failed to make a clear distinction between the God that we worship on Sunday morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who says, uh, uh, Jesus, who says, I am the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father except through me, and then the kind of bare minimum uh, common denominator God that is on our money and in our city hall chambers in God we trust, right? And so we we're, we know that we can't have on city hall statue in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I mean, no, no one would even dream of getting that on on a statue. But we can maybe get away with in God we trust because, well, the Jew might be okay with that, and the Muslim might be okay with that, and the Christian could be okay with that. So let's let's just do that. And in a failure to make a distinction between the God that we worship and the God that we are um, talking about in the public square. That has, you know, this is my theory. I'm putting it forward as a theory. My theory is is that because we failed to make a distinction in those things, it has caused us to believe that God is just the generic God, and all religions may disagree in the details, like who Jesus is, 
Um, but they basically believe in the same God, the three big monotheistic religions. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think I think there's something to it. So that there's this, and it ha- this has to do with a, a little bit of the theory that I've been thinking about as well, and that it that there's different. Um, hmm, how to how to how to get at this? There's a there's a different thing that people believe than what they say they believe, and there's a different thing that people say that they believe than there than than the people who say what people believe say that they believe. So there's a there's a there's a there's a cultural there's a theological pressure. So um, that that is trying to conform people, but th- there's pressure because it's pressing against something. So what? So I think what you're suggesting is that there's pressure for to be religious, but to not but to ignore the specificity of Christianity or anything else like this. So there's a kind of a civil religion, and we're all being pressed towards that to that towards that civil religion. Towards the God who is nice or tolerant or whatever. This is the idea, right? So that mm-hmm. what's expected of us by whoever shapes what the culture expects is that we would believe in what? We would believe in, uh, we would be nice to each other. We'd believe in a God who's nice and so forth. That, that that's, the, that's the expectation. And then these surveys... When people are answering surveys, they're, in some ways, they're they're shaping their answers to fit those expectations. Uh, so I think there's a gap in what people actually believe than what they say that they believe. And I think this is really extreme when when we start looking at those people who are shaping culture. So 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 this is, so let me try this on top of what you're saying. Uh, I was been going, you know, out on the street and trying to find people who aren't Christians to talk to them about why they're not Christians. And the problem that I'm having when I go out and actually do this is it's it's hard to find people who aren't Christian. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Everybody sure. says that they're a Christian. Now, if you were just to think, well, how many people are Christians by watching the news or whatever, you would figure, well, nobody is a Christian. <laughs> There's not a single Christian anywhere. But that's because the people who are shaping the culture want you to think that there's not any Christians anywhere, when in fact there are when most people are claim, claim to be Christian. It's kind of the same phenomenon that happened with the Trump voter, you know? Everybody gets surveyed, and they say, are you voting for Trump? And nobody wants to say yes, but when they get into the poll, they actually they vote for him, that well, kind of thing. Well, see that kind of thing also with, um, like, we've talked about this before, with the matter of homosexuality and now probably tra- transgenderism, um, that, that, that movies, TV shows, news reports— just have it in front of you constantly so that you would think just by watching these things like every other person would claim to be homosexual but right. you go out and to a movie theater and you see uh a lot of couples male female couples um that well maybe it's not the numbers that we think um but but I thought what what you were going to say was that you go on to the streets and you ask people if they're a Christian they say that you're a Christian and you start peeling back the onion a little bit and what they say about being a Christian is nothing really Christian at all. Well, that is true. I mean, what what a Christian is, what what people think Christianity is, is desperately uh, lacking. So, any, so, anything like orthodoxy. So the but, first question of the survey might be, you know, what religion are you? And they might say, oh, Christian. Okay. And it goes, all right, do you believe that the Bible is inspired by God? Well, no way. Uh, okay. Right. Do, you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Well, no way. Well, then 
okay, you could say that you're Christian, that you identify with Christianity, but your beliefs don't actually resemble Christianity. Yeah, that's true. That's a true thing. But what the people who say that they're Christian are, what they're oh, sorry, what they're not is antagonistic to Christianity. Right, right, right. So they're not out there. They might have no idea what it in fact means to be a Christian, but they're not. They're not anti-Christian. That's the point. And I think that, in some ways, this should. Um, there's a way that the devil is always trying to turn our glory into our shame. Mm-hmm. You, you know that that's from Psalm right at the beginning, like Psalm two or Psalm four. The, How long will you turn my glory into into my shame? And our our glory is our baptism. Our glory is the name of Jesus. Our glory is that God has redeemed us. That's the glory of the Christian. And the devil's always trying to make us ashamed of that. But I think, and one of the ways he does it is to make us think that we're the only ones who are Christian. But when you walk around, there's a lot. There's a lot more people who are. If you're just at the gym, or or at the grocery store, or in at the library, or whatever, it's a pretty good chance that most of the people around you would claim to be that that would claim to be Christians, and in fact that they're baptized, and they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to say anything. You're not going to say anything because you you think that the whole world is unbelieving pagan, like Stephen Hawking's atheists or whatever, when there's only like four of those guys. Right. Uh, Albert Muller talked about this quite a while ago, but uh, you know how we are, we're, here, we're, we're constantly bombarded with the survey results or the demographic results that churches are declining. And so pretty much across the board— all denominations are in decline. Um, even the the big churches, the mega churches, who say, "Well, we're growing," they're not really seeing uh, lasting growth. You might have someone come in for a couple of years and then leave. So, uh, pretty pretty much all churches are uh, in a downward attendance. And uh, and the the survey that Albert Muller was talking about was that we're not seeing then the equivalency of people leaving churches going to an increase of atheism or agnosticism or no belief in God at all. Um, and so it's not a proportional uh, result. And so what we're finding is that people, um, while they're not going to churches anymore, they're just as religious as they've always been, but they just believe in kind of their own form of whatever God is. Maybe the, you know, the Christian Smith, uh, the uh, the moralistic therapeutic deism kind of a God, but, but that's not a God that I have to go to church to hear about. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a God that is on my side. He's in my corner, but I don't really need to change anything about my life, particularly what I do Sunday morning or any other day. Um, so the, the, we're not actually less religious. We're equally religious. It's just how we express that religion is not in church attendance or church membership anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that could be true. It, it, but even now I keep, here's the other thing that keeps happening to me is I keep running into people who are, who are serious and thoughtful Christians. So not just the, I'm not going to church anymore, people who are going to church, they're going to different churches, uh, but they, I keep running into them in the most unexpected of places. Like, uh, you know, I'm always poking around with all this productivity stuff, and I'm, and, and kind of one guy after another in these blogs turns out to be a serious and thoughtful Christian, or I'm on some of these sort of, uh, creator platforms that are i'm trying to figure out all this youtube nonsense and and i'm running time after time i'm running into to christians who are who are there and they're and they're and they're thoughtful about their faith and they're they they're they're clear that they're christians it's it's an it's an encouragement to me anyways to just all, all the time be running into christians and it's it's got me thinking that while i know that 
the world is very evil and the world always wants us to is always persecuting the, the Christian and so forth that there um, that things are not nearly as bleak as the world wants us to think that they are we it's like Elijah in the wilderness and the Lord has preserved 4,000 or however many who haven't bowed the knee to the idol Baal hmm interesting well, we need to take a break, and then when we get back, we're going to be doing some hymn hop, looking at some hymn hop. You know, you woke up this morning, you're like, man, I need some hip hop. Well, that's what we're going to be doing on <laughs> Table Talk Radio. All your dreams coming true. Right after this. <laughs> Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Well, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's when we hear from our OCB. What's the OCB, you ask? Well, that is our official Calvinist blogger. And you think, what? The OCB still listens and still writes in? That's right. And Pastor Wolfenler, what does he have for us today? He, OCB says, hey, Radio Clowns, OCB here. I'm still around monitoring your output at all times. I just listened to your episode 456. How many episodes have we done? Uh, we're on 464, something like that. So so the OCB is kind of uh, omnipresent a little bit. I mean, he, he knows he knows all things. He knows all that goes out. Uh, whether know, you see him or not. That's right. Yep. It's like Santa Claus. Uh, we talked apparently about Christian Ramp in that episode. You seem doubtful, OCB continues, whether anybody would try to actually use Christian Ramp in worship. Well, it should come as no surprise to you that I have answers for your questions, in particular <laughs> this one. I answered it for you before you even asked it by emailing you about it five years ago <laughs> twice. Perhaps if you ever set up that email address, answers at tabletalkradio.org, you would find it easier to filter out the gems I send to you from the dross <laughs> flooding in from your other listener. Sheesh, what a sentence. Be careful words. with this one. If you use it for a show, you run the risk of, of rising above mediocrity. OCBTTR out. <laughs> P.S. Everybody goes gaga about round number episodes, like 300, 400, etc. Except for you guys, don't make a big deal about it, justifiably, for how can you claim that any show is more or less mediocre than another without denying that show its very mediocrity by setting it apart? But consider a number like 456, three digits all in a row. How often does that happen? As an incredibly rational Calvinist person, I can tell you it happens every 101 episodes, <laughs> one rarer than the hundreds. Okay. <laughs> Now, he sent to us, he forwarded us an email that he sent to us back in 2013. I cannot believe we've been doing this for that long. Which says, hey, Radio Clowns, I, uh, clowns, I do appreciate you reading a pile of my letters, but I think the Him Hop one in particular deserves another shot. This will seem suspiciously like show prep, but you should check out this Him Hop. And he, sa and he typed, uh, uh, he says here, um, I typed out the words for you. Since I have too much time on my hands, we'll lower the lyrics typed out for your convenience. So the song is what? I, I closed it. What's it called? Come Ye Sinners. Come Ye Sinners. This is a hymn hop. It's supposed to be used in church? All right. Let's, you going to play it for us? See what it yeah. Yeah. 
Just so you know, the, 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 the setting that I have in my mind here is at Hope Lutheran Church. Okay. So everything that I hear is placed there. Everybody sing along. Call the righteous to himself, but those who are fallen like us. He's calling wounded, ruined sinners who are finished, who know they're in need of huge forgiveness. But if you doubt, because you've been the biggest traitor, know that he stands now as the living savior. And he not only has the power to save, but infinite grace, so your sinning isn't greater. Furthermore, besides his grace and ability, he's filled with compassion to embrace you willingly. So he wants to. Jesus at the cross proved by paying your cost, dude. That he wants you Resurrected from the tomb With the booming shout This glorious truth Should remove your doubts He'll fill the void That is aching By his joyful embracing Please come join me And say Okay, so uh, I don't... 10,000 charms? I, I'm not that familiar That's with Calvinist hymns. I'm thinking that refrain was from uh, a hymn, so that this guy's mixing in kind of his hip-hop with existing hymns. I do believe, like, in the fourth chapter of this email from the OCB <laughs> that he has a link to that. Oh, uh, that's what see. it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, so that's what's going on here. So uh, do you have the lyrics in front of you? I do. All right. So give here us... comes some more rapping. Okay. So come without money because it's free and kindness. Come without works. They're unclean and lifeless. See Jesus Christ. He provides us everything we need to be seen as righteous. Call on the Messiah. Come to Jesus believing. All that he requires is that you see that you need him. If the Spirit gives conviction of sin, well, that's enough. Just come. Run quickly to him. Uh, oh, weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry, tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. So if you won't come because you're wicked and godless, think that you're too sinful, stricken in conscience. Know that when his blood dripped from the cross, this was enough to save you. Mission accomplished. The incarnate God, God in the flesh, being slaughtered, he got up, conquering death, ascended to heaven, the splendid Lord above, the only acceptable lawyer before the judge, fall on the Savior because he's the only one, he's the only God who's able to wash away your sins, bro, and live in the hearts dwelt, uh, to dwell within us, Jesus, the only Savior of helpless sinners. Okay, so um, what do you think about this song theologically? It would be difficult to sing along, but that's not what you're asking. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, this is working perfectly in my mental picture at Hope Lutheran Church or Colorado. It's theologically, it has some high points and some low points, and some awkward points. <laughs> Those three. Right. So let's give us uh, one of each. He, um, let's see. He's calling wounded sinners who are finished, who know they're in huge need of forgiveness. Okay, that's all right. Or uh, let's see, one drop of his blood. Uh, when his blood dripped from the cross, this was enough to save you. Mission accomplished. Incarnate God, God in the flesh. After being slaughtered, he got up, conquering death. That's So that's good. Talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus, how he won atonement for us by his death on the cross. That's, that's good. Well, since I'm a pessimist, give me one of the low points. Well, um, he, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, there are... 
10,000 charms. I don't have any idea what. That might be part of the weird parts. Yeah. The, the awkward, you said. Awkward. Yeah. This, 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 um, song, this, this song just got awkward. He, it, it, it's, some of the awkward things is it's just it kind of mixes pictures up. The only acceptable lawyer before the judge. That's good. And then fall on the Savior, because he's the only God who's able to wash away all your sins, bro. I don't. I'd prefer not to have that bro in there. I, it makes it rhyme with something, I suppose. But it's so. And live in our hearts to dwell within us. Jesus, the only Savior of helpless sinners. So that's all. I suppose. I mean, you could nitpick it, but it's it's probably fine. But it's it's inconsistent. Like the picture of Jesus standing before as the lawyer standing before the judge in heaven is a helpful picture for justification. But then it immediately switches to fall on the Savior, which I don't know what that means. And then it immediately goes, he's the only God who's able to wash away all your sins. So it, then it switches from to a cleansing picture. And then, and to live in our hearts and dwell within us, it, ta it switches to the indwelling of Christ. All those things are, are fine, but they don't, they don't, there's no, it's just kind of, it's like throwing these things in a jumble. It's like uh, it's like you took the 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 epistle to the Romans and like unhinged all the sentences and shook them up. So it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It's like one thing and another and another and another. There's no there's no connection between any of these things. I'm interested in these two lines. It says, "If the Spirit gives conviction of sin, well, that's enough. Just come run, or just come run quickly to Him," and uh, that. That is a contradictory two lines, <laughs> because mm -hmm. if the conviction of sin by the Spirit is enough, then there is no thing after this that says, just come run quickly to him. I mean, is it yeah. enough or is it not enough? Yeah, right. Maybe, maybe what he's saying is, you don't need to fix your life up. You don't need to do all sorts of good works. You, you're, you, you don't need to change your sin. You just need to know you're a sinner. Mm. That makes you fit for the presence of God, or something like that. I'm not sure, but that's right. It doesn't make. It's not. It. It kind of is. It's just choppy in this way, and moving around. It's. It's hard to tell. It. It's not. It's not mystical in that sense. It's just mm -hmm. not real. It's not real fluent. So it's hard to get a, a. It's hard to get a solid beat on what's actually being articulated here. It's like, it's just phrase after phrase after I, phrase. I think though that might be a characteristic of hip-hop and that is to say that you're you're throwing these lines and each line is its own story it's not trying to be this um this uh series that you would put together you know because it's coming so fast at you you're just you know getting line after line after line it's not necessarily trying to connect uh, a fluid thing like we like we're looking at the lyrics all together in one one place here yeah Jesus at the cross proves by paying the by paying your cost, dude, <laughs> that he wants you. See, we need more hymns with the word dude and tomb. bro in it. Why don't we have more show. hymns with the word dude or bro? I don't know. Maybe they're out there. We just don't use them that often. All right, so submit your hymns with the words dude and bro to questions at tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> hey, bro. What's up, bro? What's up, bro? All right. All right, well, that's going to be... Like our be... friend Chris Rose, brah. Brah, yeah, that's right. Uh, We're going to crunch this, or are we, are we out of town? If you can do Time. it in 20 seconds. Jesus has mentioned sentence fragments, yes. Repetitive, no. Uh, decision theology, yes. Confusion of law and gospel, yes. Uh, 
incoherent articulation of theology, yes. Suitable for church, no. You would not find something like this in the book of Amos. I, I can guarantee I can guarantee you. <laughs> it ain't funny. <laughs> All right. That's it for us. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like... Uh, all the verses that the Calvinists leave out when arguing for eternal security. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, and loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, alopecia, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.